Hi, I'm Diana Meadows. I've been working with the Welcome Center for several years here at Oakwood Church. It has been a blessing to greet people, new members walking in, visitors coming to the church, introducing them to what our church is about, and seeing how God has worked growing the church and bringing many new members to our facility and seeing how God blesses uh, everyone as we can interact and as we all touch each other's lives. Well, good morning, Oakwood, and welcome to part two of a series we started last week called Say Yes. And when the world says no, we want to say yes. Uh, we we kind of talked about that uh, at the beginning of, of uh, last week is about how easy it is to say no. And you, you might remember I had this no button uh, with me on, on how to say no. But I think as Christians, sometimes uh, we can come up with some really good excuses. Sometimes our excuses sound really, really spiritual. So uh, I just want you to watch this video on, on some ways that you can say no as a Christian. Okay, ways to say no. There are a bunch of them. No thanks. I'm good. I'll pass. One of my personal favorites. For sure, no. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you got saved, you got eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and access to a whole long list of ways to say no that'll make you sound like way more spiritual of a person than you actually are. I don't think it's God's will. It's just not his timing. I'm feeling led in a different direction. Let me talk to my pastor about that. It's a closed door. I'm waiting on the Lord right now. I just don't feel peace about it right now. God has a different assignment for me. I just didn't feel prompted. I just don't feel like that's something that Jesus would do. But I just feel like I'm not in that season anymore. Can you help me move this weekend? But normally I would, but I just feel like God is just telling me to rest right now. I just got a sense that it didn't line up. Right now I'm in a season of new wineskins. What does that even mean? I just feel like right now I'm in a season of creating margin and I just don't have the bandwidth. Are you even speaking English right now? I was just asking if you wanted to get a pizza. Prompting. How many times have I told you about the prompting? I'm not feeling the prompting. Prompting. I don't know. I'm just not really feeling the spirits leading on this one. Mm, you know what? I'm not sure. Let me lay out a fleece on that one. <laughs> okay, I don't think anyone says that. And of course, everybody's all-time favorite, let me pray about it. All I'm saying is when it comes to Christian ways of saying no, just say no. All right. Maybe you've used some of those before. It's like, eh, you know, I was asked to do something, but, oh, well, I, I just... Uh, let me pray about it, which really means no. And there's so many other ones that, that we can kind of get caught up in and, and uh, use as an excuse. And, and we learned last week together, just, to, just if, if you weren't with us, just so you know, a little bit about what we talked about. Uh, we were looking at Ephesians chapter 4, and we were looking at God's ministry. How does, he, how does he plan, and what is the philosophy of ministry for the Lord? And his plan was that the church leaders would equip the saints that's God's saved ones, for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ would be built up. And it went on and said that Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. And that every person that is involved in that church is a part of that body. And that we're fingers and toes and legs and limbs and elbows and joints. And that the, it takes all those parts functioning in a healthy and mature way to make the body of Christ grow. And it's not only going to grow spiritually, it's actually going to grow in numerically too because there's going to be many more people in the kingdom of God. And what we, the challenge was is that so many of us that we may be atrophying the body of Christ. Why? Because we're not involved. 
Now, through this series, we're asking you every week, go out there and to say yes. We had 65 people say yes last week. Some of them are in their t-shirts today. Um, some of them are in first service. Some of them are in the booth in t-shirts, on stage in t-shirts. And so how you get one of those shirts is you serve. You sign up for a ministry team. If you're already on a ministry team, thank you. Uh, we would love to have you uh, serve in other ways too. But if you're wondering how do I get a shirt, that's how you do it. And what's cool is if you go out there and look, you'll see that a lot of those cards they have those ministry opportunities on them. They've actually been turned over now, and there's a picture of somebody there. And that's just a picture of a brother or sister in Christ that said, yes, yes, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to step up, and I'm going to serve in some area of the church. And so uh, we just want to... We just want to say thank you if you're already doing that. For some of you, you're going to be challenged maybe a little bit today to go even deeper into service or maybe to serve in another area. Um, but uh, we just want the whole body of Christ to be active because we know that is when the world is best served, is when the church and its members say yes. And today we're going to be talking about risk-taking, how to take a risk. Because some of you uh, love to take a risk and some of you are very risk-adverse, Right? Some of you like to have it all planned out, everything planned out in your life, you know what you're doing the next minute, you know, you know, your riskiest decision is lunch today, you know, tacos or burgers. It's like, where are we going to go after church? You know, that's a, that's a risky, that's a risky thing for you. Well, others of you just love risk. I remember uh, going snow skiing uh, with, with friends in high school on a, on a youth trip and uh, we're up going up the mountain and those ones that were risk takers that just, they're like, man, I'll take a risk, you know, I'll do anything. They get up to the top of the mountain, it's like double black diamond. Let's take that one. It's like, dude, you've never skied before. <laughs> you know, oh, we'll just take it, man. It'll be awesome. We'll learn together. We're going to go down the mountain and we'll end up at the bottom someday, uh, somehow, in some state or condition. But we're going to, you know, and they're the risk takers. And then there's some of you that are like, you know, what are you doing? You're in ski school. <laughs> for six hours trying to learn to snow plow, you know? And some people just jump on board, you know? And there's many times in life where some of you, you don't really like your life because if you're being honest, your life is boring. It's mundane, you're like, this is not what I signed up for, this is not how I thought life would be. And so for some of you, as you're, as you're coming into your life, you're like, there's just no sense of adventure here. There's no excitement in my life. I mean, I do the same thing every day. I go out, I get the paper, read yesterday's news in the paper, okay? Now I'm gonna go to the grocery store. Every Tuesday, I go to the grocery store. And then on Wednesdays, I usually mow my lawn and you're just going through life, you're like, it's boring. It's like, there's, there's no meaning here, there's no excitement here. And I'm telling you, God, has a purpose for you in life, and part of that purpose is being a part of the body of Christ. Part of that purpose is spiritual growth in him, and the way he does that so many times is when you actually step forward in faith and say yes. And I think we're going to be challenged by that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This is a section of scripture that's known as the Faith Hall of Fame. So probably if you're looking at your subheading in your Bible, it says something about faith. Now, if you didn't bring your Bible this morning, get out your phone, download the Oakwood app. If you haven't already, just search Oakwood Enid, and it has all the notes and all of the scriptures right there in the app for you. But if you're old school like me, open your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. If you didn't come prepared with your Bible or your phone, uh, grab that Bible in front of you and turn it to page 1007, 1007, and I'll bring it to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. You know, because God is a God that wants us to 
not only just have faith in him, like have belief in him, but he wants us to exercise that faith. In the book of James, it talks about that faith without deeds is a dead faith. That he, you know, and, J- and James actually throws it down there a little bit. He's like, hey, you show me your faith by what you say. I'll show you my faith by what I do. You follow my deeds, and you're going to know I'm in this thing all the way. Now, what we're going to read today is about some people in the Bible that exercised big faith in God, and they took some risks and how God blessed their life and used it, and they ended up being in the faith hall of fame. And wouldn't you like to be in the faith hall of fame? Well known for your faith. So let's begin here this morning. Hebrews 11.1. Hebrews 11.1 is the definition of faith. So you don't need to go to Webster's. You don't need to go anywhere else to find out the definition of faith. It's right there, Hebrews 11.1. It says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When I learned this scripture as a child, I learned it from the New International Version, that translation of the Bible. And the way I learned it was, now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Now go to verse 6. And it says, and without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. How, how do you please God without faith? It's impossible. You can't do it. You have to have a faith with God. It has to be an active, living faith in God. And without that faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, there's a sense of action to it. Now look at verse 7. It says, by this kind of faith, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse 8. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God." See right there at the beginning of this chapter, and it goes on and mentions many, many people of faith. Well, we're just going to focus on these two this morning, is the fact that there's this guy named Noah, which most of you know Noah, Noah and the ark, Noah and the flood, and most people have heard about Noah, and also this, this man named Abraham that, that we have learned about since we were kids. We used to sing, you know, in children's churchy songs, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I'm one of them, so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. These guys, these these guys that are famous, they, they have the, the, their names out there in the scripture because they were men of faith and they answered the call to God. The first thing we can learn from this passage this morning is this. You can't play it safe and please God. You can't play it safe and please God. Be honest this morning. Some of us like to play it safe, right? We're in our zone. It's called the comfort zone. 
And we're going to stay in the comfortable place because when I'm uncomfortable, I mean, things happen. I don't know. I might grow. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I'm just going to stay in my comfort zone. That may be a way of sinfulness in your life. It's like I'm choosing things against God. I know that, but I'm in my zone. Some of you, it's just laziness and apathy toward the things of faith. I, I, I'm going, well, but I'm just in the zone. And so we just want to stay in this place of comfort. We want to stay in this place where we're not really exercising our faith. We would say we have faith. You wouldn't see it in any of our deeds. You wouldn't see it in our, our actions or our attitudes. And so we kind of play it safe and you can't please God that way. Okay, i.e. verse 6, what did it say? And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then look at verse 7. It says, by faith, this man named Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, those events yet unseen. And reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So let, let's talk about Noah for just a second this morning. Noah. Okay, when I heard about Noah as a kid, I thought Noah was like later in the Bible. Noah is Genesis chapter 6. Okay? If you go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is creation. Okay? By chapter 6, the world is so messed up that God says, I regret making mankind in my image. I, I regret making them my image bearers because why? Because they don't look like me at all. Bunch, they, they've made these sinful choices and, and, and these horrible things. And so, so we're going to do a redo. And I'm going to send a flood and this flood's going to cover the whole earth. I'm going to wipe out mankind. I'm going to start over. I'm going to hit the reset button. And right after he says that in Genesis chapter 6, and remember what happened. You know, we had the creation account, but then we had what? The first murder in the Bible. Within the first five chapters, Cain kills his brother Abel out of a jealous heart. I mean, there's sinfulness all over the place. They get expelled, kicked out of the garden because they did what Satan tempted them with. There's all of these things happen. You get to Genesis 6, God's so fed up. He says, I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to take away the whole earth. But it says, but there was one righteous man, Noah, and Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And because of this one man, God said, okay. My plan is then we're going to do the redo through Noah and his boys and their wives. That's how we're going to, we're going to hit the redo. They're, they're the faithful people. They're the only people following me and doing, doing what's right. They're the only people of faith that I've got now. And so we're, we're going to, we're going to um, implore them to build an ark. Now, you notice there in the scripture, and I kind of pointed it out, that it says that there were things yet unseen. Warn God concerning events yet unseen. Many scholars believe that when creation happened and the earth happened, there was not rain. There was not this weather activity with tornadoes and hurricanes and rain and thunderstorms and high and low pressure systems. That the earth was perfect. The Garden of Eden was a perfect place. Now, if you know, if the temperature is 72 degrees all the time, if the humidity is perfect all the time, and you um, have irrigation to all your plants, you don't need rain, right? I mean, if you're a farmer, you know that. If I irrigate well, I can grow my crops through, irrig through irrigation. I don't ever need it really to rain. And so the world was perfect at that time, and then it says when sin entered the world, then death entered the world, and it kind of messed God's creation up, even, even his creation as being, you know, the birds of the sky and, and the animals at the time and the, and the dinosaurs that roamed the earth at the time, the weather systems, all that was affected by sinfulness. And so what most scholars believe is this event that had not yet been seen was we didn't have rain yet. 
Okay, that everything was fed through perfect humidity and through irrigation of the earth, and so God had created the system that way. And God says, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to do it through rain. And so a lot of people have the cloud canopy theory. Maybe you've heard of that. That at one point, God's going to mess up the system there. He's going to, he's going to mess it up, and then the rain's going to come. Now, here's the interesting thing. He tells Noah to build an ark. Now, they probably had some type of boat, so they've probably been around water and stuff, but he's going to build this ark in the middle of land, okay? Not anywhere near water, like not, you know, building the boat next to the lake. You walk 12 feet, and there's the water. No, he's just building it in the middle of nowhere. This thing was huge. My, my uh, kids and my wife and I last summer got to go see the ark exhibit. If you ever get the chance to do that, it's in southern Indiana, northern Kentucky, that area. If you're ever in that neck of the woods, I invite you to go see it. It is awesome. But they have a life-size replica of Noah's Ark. So add that to your bucket list, right? It is, it is awesome. When you come up on that thing and you see the pictures, it's like that thing is enormous, okay? It is the equivalency of about five and a half of these sanctuaries long. So when you go outside the building today and you look at just this part of the church, the sanctuary building, just picture five and a half of these long, okay? Taller than the steeple on our building. Taller than that. Deck upon deck upon deck upon deck where he's gonna load the animals in the ark, he's gonna load his family in the ark. And God is going to use this man of faith, this man who said yes to God, and he's gonna use him to save the world and save mankind. And what's amazing about this is that Noah, not ever maybe possibly seeing rain, is actually building this monstrosity on land. It took a long time. I mean, people are walking by. they got to be making fun of the guy, right? It's like, oh, you're going to build an ark for what? And what isn't even an ark anyway? And this thing is huge, and that's not going to flow. Most scholars believe it took somewhere between 55 and 75 years to build the ark, okay? Yeah, they didn't have power tools, okay? He... He didn't, he didn't have this, this team of 150 men that were working on it together every day. No, they were laughing at him and his boys as they were building the ark, pitch and tar, hammer and nail, wood, cut down the tree, cut the tree, make the wood, make it bend and bow in the right way, years and years and years. And then one day, when the ark is complete, he begins loading it and gets his family on it. And the sky opens up and starts raining. And it keeps raining until the water's up to people's knees. And now you got people going into the ark saying, hey, hey, listen, uh, I'm really sorry for what I said. Can I get on the boat with you? It's like, no. What kind of faith would it take you to build an ark? Can you imagine that, Nina, just out in your backyard, out in your pasture, you know, start building this boat? What are people going to say and do? But it was that kind of faith that makes it into the Faith Hall of Fame. And it's because somebody said yes to what God was doing. And it wasn't safe. There's nothing safe about building an ark. There's nothing safe about the cost of it. There's nothing safe about the time and the labor. There's nothing safe. And yet that's what God required. That we take this faith and that we put it into practice. You can't play it safe and please God. And some of you, that's going to be your ministry call. It's because even though some of you are already serving in ministry, admit it, you're playing it safe. You're playing it safe. That's what you're doing. Oh, yeah, I'm on this ministry team because it's the easiest ministry in the church. It takes the least amount of time. Those are your requirements. Least amount of time and easy. No preparation of my heart, no preparation of my mind. I don't even give great effort to this team. 
That's where some of you are at. Some of you, you're just not serving anywhere in the church. And we learned last week from Ephesians chapter 4, you're like a dead arm, a dead leg. You're actually hurting the body of Christ. You're actually hurting the mission of the church. And it's time for us to step out in faith and to say yes. And that all of the body of Christ would do its part. And some of you, you know what that part is, and you've been saying no to God for years. In fact, you've been telling the ministers, I'll pray about it for years. But God is saying, don't pray. Do. Just do it and answer in faith. And quit playing it safe on the sidelines and get out in the game and do something. Because without faith, without that kind of faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't play it safe and please God. The second thing we learned this morning, if it's guaranteed, it's not faith. If it's guaranteed, it's not faith. Faith. Again, back to our comfort zone, right? What does it say? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Things we hope for, things we do not see, those sometimes are scary things. And yet, we're the ones that, that want to stand back and say, well, I only go for guaranteed things. And some of you, you live your life that way, right? It's like, go for this if it's guaranteed. I'll go to this job as long as they guarantee me this pay and this salary and these benefits. I'll go to this job if they guarantee me that I will grow into this position someday. I, I will go here and go with you there as long as you guarantee me this. You know, I'll step up into ministry as long as you guarantee it only takes three hours a week and not four hours a week. I'll, I'll go this way in life as long as it's guaranteed. And yet, where's the faith in that? Where is the faith when everything's guaranteed? Are you really exercising your faith at all? Being sure of what you hope for being certain of what you cannot see. You see, that's the type of faith that God has called us to. And sometimes that means that we've got to get rid of the safe living and to understand that we're gonna, it's going to feel risky. It's going to be one of those things where I can't do it on my own. Yes, that's exactly where God wants you. He says, you're going to get the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and you're going to get it from me. So I don't want you to be able to just do it 100% on your own. I want there to be this element where you're uncomfortable and you're scared and it's going to be a risk. And you let God press into you there and you say, I'm going to exercise my faith there. And because I am sure of what I'm hoping for and certain of what I do not see, and because I have that faith exercised in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God is going to do amazing things, amazing things. Amazing things in this church, amazing things in this body, and amazing things in your own life. And so many of you, you know, it's, it's, it's that whole safety thing. It's like safety and comfort and stuff. But what if that's what's holding you back spiritually? What if it's the fact that you won't exercise your faith? I mean, think back. When was the last time you really exercised your faith? I mean, really. You know, some, some of you, we talk about giving, giving, giving of your financial contributions to the Lord's work. You know, when was the last time that you actually did that with a little bit of faith? We had to give till you're like, okay, now I've got to exercise some faith in this. Because, you know, keeping it to yourself is disobeying God. Keeping it all to yourself just to take care of you is disobeying God. It's not putting your faith out there and saying, God, I trust that you're going to provide. And so I'm going to do what it says in Scripture, and I'm going to give. Whatever it is in your life, maybe for some of you it's your time. It's just like, I'm going to hoard my time. I'm going to protect my time. For some of you, you've, you've gone into this age of, of what, what some people call retirement. You know, we don't see it in Scripture. Uh, they don't ever retire in Scripture. But, but we retire, right? And when we retire, we retire from everything. We tell people, I'm slowing down. That means I'm not serving the church. I'm not serving the Lord anymore. 
If you're really being real, though, you have more time now than you've ever had your whole life to serve the Lord. So what is it? If it's guaranteed it's not faith, do something that's not guaranteed and do it for the Lord and step out there. The last thing I want us to learn this morning is that to step toward advancement, you have to step away from security. To step toward advancement, you have to step away from security. This is true in so many areas of life, right? If you're going to invest in something and it's going to advance something, there's usually what? There's usually a little bit of risk there. So we're stepping away from security and we're stepping toward advancement. Most of us want that in our faith. We want that in our life. We, we want to see that exercised out. And that's where we pick up in our passage today, the story of Abraham. Look at verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham did what? He obeyed when he was called to do what? To go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So right there from the very beginning, we see a couple things that Abraham did in faith. He obeyed. I wonder what Abraham would do today if he had Ephesians 4, read to him last week. If he studied and understood we're the body of Christ and I'm a part of that body and that I'm supposed to be doing my part in ministry, that Abraham already signed up. He's like the 65 early adopters out there. He's already, he's already signed up, picture already out there. I mean, he, he's like, hey, we're going. He was one of those type of guys, obeyed, went out. But listen to what kind of faith he had to have. The second part of verse eight there. It says he was there, he was gonna receive an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going. What? He didn't know where he was going. Do you know the story of Abraham? Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. He makes, God makes Abraham a promise. And he tells him, I want you to leave your country that you've known your whole life, your people, and your father's household, your immediate family, okay? I want you to leave all of them. I want you to go into a land that I will show you. Which land is it, God? I will show you. That land, huh? Yeah, yeah, that land. And then he says, and I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a blessing. And the whole world is going to be blessed through your lineage. Which is why we sing the song, Father Abraham. But Abraham, you have to go. You have to obey. You have to step out in faith and go. And look what it says there. It says that he went. That he obeyed. He went out. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Can you imagine that? Going out, not knowing where you're going. Some of you, that's what keeps you from saying yes, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I want to work with teens, but I'm not sure I have enough Bible knowledge. I'm not sure I have enough of this. I'm not sure I have enough of that. You know, we come up with all these excuses. Some of us, be honest, we're selfish. I don't want, I'm going to okay, fine. I'll say yes to a ministry. It takes 30 minutes a week. But the rest of the week is my time. The, the other 168 hours a week, that is my time. And so, I, you know, I've got to protect my time because I don't know, I might need to read the paper again. I don't know, okay? It's just, I, we, we, and some of us get selfish with it. And some of us, we're just so stagnant in our faith because we don't, we never take a risk. We never take a risk with the Lord. And yet so many of us say, well, we're missing out on life. I don't feel like I'm advancing in my faith. I don't feel like I'm, I'm leveling up with the Lord. It's like this advancement means that we've got to leave our country, our people, and our father's household and go. 
And some of us, when we read those positions out there in all different kinds of ministries and ministry areas, you, you don't know everything, right? You feel a little bit insecure. I mean, we try to, as staff, give you as much information as possible so you know exactly what the commitment is. But some of you, you're like, well, but I don't know how this is going to end up. I don't know if it's going to go well with second graders. I don't know if I can do the, the communion thing. I, I don't know. I mean, will they train you to run a camera? I mean, whatever area it is, there's going to be a little bit of risk. And because you've never done it, which, by the way, you should do a ministry you've never done. That's when God stretches you the best, just a little plug there. But when you actually do that, you have to lean and depend on God. You're going to have to exercise your faith to get there because you may be like Abraham and say, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how this thing is going to end up. Exactly. That might be exactly where God wants you. Yeah, be in that place where you're not sure. Be a little on edge and see what the Lord does. And look what it says in verse 10 about him. It says, for he was looking forward. Did you catch that? He wasn't just looking at his present circumstances. He wasn't looking at just now. He wasn't looking at the past, what happened in the past. He wasn't looking at how he'd been involved in the past or his relationship with the Lord in the past. He was just looking forward. It says there that he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham, a man of faith. And what's amazing is if you read beyond that, in verse 11 and 12, it talks about his wife, Sarah. It says that Sarah, when she had faith in God, she received power because she needed it because she was like 100 years old and then was going to have their first child, Isaac. And, and, and that God made that happen. And it was through her faith and her belief in God that God brought about that work in her life. Now, you remember, if you were here last week, we talked about the Great Commission. We're called to go and make disciples. And the next step of that is how are we going to do that? And in Acts 1.8, Jesus gives us the how. Because he says this. He says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And he says, and you will be my witnesses. And Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. You know, it says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, when you make that decision for Christ. He's going to skill you with all that you need, and you're going to have the Holy Spirit working in all of your ministry. But you've got to have faith in God. That He is who He says He is, that He can do all that He says He can do, and that He's going to actually do it in your life. And when you take that leap of faith, there's some amazing things happen. You're going to feel the best you've ever felt in your life because you are walking with the Lord, and you're walking in the order that He's putting before you. You may not know how exactly how it's going to end up, but you're saying yes. But I wonder sometimes, as Christians, what, what about that time? It says that you'll be my witnesses. If your friends saw your life this morning, what would they witness? And you'll be my witnesses. What would they say about you? What is your witness? Oh, dude, they love to go to church. Love to go to church, love to sing songs, love to listen to sermons. And that's about it. That's what they do. In fact, there's a lot of people in the world who think that's what good Christians do. They would never say serve. They would never say minister. They would never say they're on a ministry team and that that's part of their advancement. They would never use the word contribute. No. Christians are consumers. They go. They sing songs. 
They hear messages. And then they go home. And then they come back next week. And they sing songs and hear messages and go home. Is that your witness? Because I think when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, he was talking about the sacrifice that would come in faith when we say yes to God. When we said, you know what? I know what scripture says. And today, I'm going to choose to obey it. Some of you wives are going to look at the husbands today and you're going to be shocked that they're going to actually go out there and do it. And you need to pray for them and support them because it's hard. 65 people signed up last week. I think like 10 of them were guys. Yikes. Time to step it up, men. Men of the church. Time to lead. Lead your wife and kids. Lead your family. And go out there in faith and say, yes. You've been putting off that call and that following for so long. And God says, I'm going to give you everything you need. I know you don't know what it looks like exactly. And you're not going to know how it ends, but just go with me. Go into that place I've called you to. But you don't know exactly what it is or where it is. But you're going to seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so God is telling us to say yes. Now for some of us this morning, if we haven't said yes to a relationship with God, I, I would encourage you, there are ways you can sign up out there. there. There are ministry positions open in the body of Christ that you wouldn't necessarily have to be a believer. And I know God sometimes uses those times where you're serving on a ministry team together and you stay after and you end up talking to a, a guy that you just made a friend with and you end up praying together and God's going to use that to lead you to the Lord. So I don't want to discourage that, but for some of you, that's what you need to say yes to first. You say yes to Jesus and that relationship with him. Because after you say yes, then you receive the Holy Spirit and you receive the power to do some amazing things in your life. Because you're going to be on fire and you're going to want to exercise that faith. And that's what we all should be doing. And some of us have been Christians for, you know, 30 years of our life, haven't been the best examples. But we're going to get there. Because we're going to choose to say yes to serving in ministry in God's church. Let's pray. Lord, as we come into this time this morning... This time of decision, this, this time where we uh, contemplate, um, God, this time where we um, decide if we're going to move, if we're going to take action, Lord. Um, God, I, I'm glad we have a place like the decision room. If anyone has a question about you, wants to start that relationship with you, doesn't know their next step, somebody just needs prayer, encouragement, Lord, I'm glad we have that place. I'm glad we have volunteers, Lord, the volunteer over there every week as decision guides, to help people in this moment. But God, for many more of us, our really our next step toward you this morning is going to be to walk out the doors of this sanctuary when this service is over and to walk over to that wall and to say yes. Lord, for, for some of us this morning, God, it's to say yes to something that takes us out of the comfort zone. Yeah, we've been serving in ministry, which is great, but we've been doing the easy things. God, we need something hard. We need to see something, something that's a challenge. Some of us, Lord, we've been serving in the same ministry for years, and it's just time for us to move on to something else. Maybe something that's a little harder, something that we have to dig in our faith a little deeper. But God, understanding 
that your desire is to grow us into the image of Christ Jesus. And that by doing that, that means that we step out in faith and serve. God, I don't want your body here at Oakwood to, to have parts that have just atrophied and don't do anything for the gospel. So Lord, I pray, challenge us, change us in our hearts and our minds this morning. Because we know in this process of you changing and transforming us, not only does our life get better, but we can be your witnesses because we begin to look more like Jesus. God, thank you for being a God that said yes to us when we were running away and saying no to you. And God, this morning, I just pray we would all choose that next step and say yes. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.